Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of Impact Talks. Today we have Howard Burke with us. He's the world's fastest reader. I don't think we need a better introduction than that, but Howard, please introduce yourself. Tell the people what you do and where they might know you from. I'm the world's fastest reader. I read fast. <laughs> That's the. <laughs> I, I could help it. You, you, you opened yourself up for that. Um, I live in Florida. I've been teaching accelerated learning for like 35 years. Uh, I have students as young as 11 in universities around the world getting A's in as little as a week on AP tests. I trained the, uh, <clears throat> the Royal Thai Army in Bangkok before COVID, uh, the U.S. Special Forces in Fort Bragg, the Royal Canadian Forces in Toronto. Uh, I do a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, I've written several best-selling books. My reading program with Nigel Conant was the top-selling program of all time. I made 65 million. I, I didn't get the 65 million. That would have been even nicer, but it made 65 million. And I've been on about 2,000 shows. I helped launch Comedy Central with uh, Dennis Leary in the early 90s. And I was John Stewart's first guest. And I have a degree in psychobiology. I did a four-year psych program in one year while majoring in biology. And then I got in the 99th percentile in the bio GRE. And then I wondered if it was me or my system. So I taught children the system 11 to 15. They did a 30-chapter book and lifelong developmental psych in a week took the ap test 15 out of 18 passed it so it meant it wasn't that i could do it but i could teach it and i guess that's a that's kind of a a brief outline of what i've done and uh we'll, I'll, I'll share some strategies with our audience today and how to get started uh hopefully we could cover how to read fast comprehend better how to remember so EQ skills, perhaps, and uh, there's a few other topics we can go over, but it's your show, so I'll let you decide what you want to do. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'll definitely go deeper into that, but one of the things I tend to notice, um, obviously, when just Googling you or just getting into uh, who you are as a person, what you've uh, been doing, a lot of people tend to focus on the skills and like teach me how to do it. I would like to kind of know from the beginning, like how did you even get into this? Um, did you have a special talent? Was it something you developed because you had troubles? Like where did it all start and why did you decide to make it into a business? Why not just get a regular job and do this on the side? Okay, there's about eight questions, but I'll, I'll, ta I'll tackle them one at a time. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn. You might notice uh, I have a Brooklyn accent. And I didn't grow up in a good part of Brooklyn, not that there are many, but I was in the projects, which was as bad as it sounds. There are a lot of gangs. It was like West Side Story without the dancing and music. I met Bernardo. He had a knife. He wasn't smiling. And this actually happened. It had a knife to my throat. I was beaten with bats. My dad was pistol whipped. Uh, I found one safe place in the neighborhood, the library. Apparently, gang kids treat libraries like kryptonite and Superman. <clears throat> I'd rather be dead than caught with a book. So I read a lot because it was the only skill you could do safely. Maybe you get a paper cut, but it was better than dying. And uh, I had college reading when I was 11 because I read so much. And I read very 
high level books like the theory of relativity when I was eight. So now I went to college at 17 to major in biology. I went to the State University of New York Binghamton, which is the flagship university in the state system. And in my second term of my junior year, I got interested in how the brain works. And <clears throat> there's a branch of biology, it's called psychobiology, not psychotic biology, that's Frankenstein. Psychobiology is the biology of behavior. So I told the dean I want to major in bio and psych. He looked at me like I was crazy. He said, you already have one year left. You haven't had any courses in psych. You have to do the whole thing in one year and finish bio and take two four-hour labs. And that time, lab reports, you did them on a slide rule. So it took 16 hours. So it was 40 hours of lab, 18 credits, all science. And I had three jobs. So I was working 18 hours a week. And he said, you're not smart enough. And that's when it hit me. They, they never taught me how to learn in school. They told me what to learn, why to learn, what happened when you don't learn, but not why you hear a song once on the radio, you know it your whole life. Then you read the seven habits of highly effective people, and you don't know any habits the next day. So I said, there had to be a way to learn things that matter the way you learn songs. And I got up to 80 pages a minute, which is how I got in Guinness. And I did it in one year. I scored, I studied for the GRE, for three nights, I just reviewed all my books. So I read cell physiology, biochemistry, genetics, plant systematics. It's not light reading. I got three questions wrong. So I was in the 99th percentile, I got an 800. So that was exciting. And then I realized uh, I went to teach after that for 10 years and I worked in the city of New York. My job interview was teachers get killed here. Do you want the job? And I'm 21, I go, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a great interview <laughs> with this saying is no one in their right mind wants to work here, but I'm a kid, so what do I know? <clears throat> so I worked there, 2% graduated out of the whole school. And I said, let me help. I could teach them how to learn. And the numbers will go up. And they said, it's not in the curriculum. I'm thinking, well, what can I do to ruin your numbers? You have 2% graduating. <laughs> you know, how much worse do you think it's going to get? And they caught me helping kids learn. I, I was actually doing my job. I was a bio teacher. And they said, how do you do the homework? I can't find the answers. And the bio book, which is the course I taught. And I was showing them how to find answers to questions for tests, questions in their textbook that they were reading in my subject. And the principal comes in and sees what I'm doing. He says, what are you doing? I said, they asked me, how do you answer the questions for homework in the book? Said, we don't pay you to do that. You're not working. You're teaching learning and you're not working. And I'm like, they just asked me. I didn't bring it up. They did. It's the students. They asked for help. And he wrote down, I wasn't working because I was helping them learn. I quit my job after that. I said, that's insane. He says, if that isn't the job, what is the job? If a student says, I don't know how to do my homework, can you show me how I can get the answers to the subject you're teaching? And that's wrong? So I quit. I didn't want to make kids dumber. They didn't need my help. I mean, 2% graduated. And uh, now I teach all over the world. I help kids. Uh, I do amazing things. We'll talk about some of that today. But... Uh, it's been very satisfying. I'm teaching a school now in Oklahoma in the middle of a cow pasture. It's literally 
in nowhere, nowhere. And in this, the Department of Education has the top 10% of schools get an award. They got the award as one of the best schools in America. They're using what I teach. And that made me feel like I'm doing something to help. It's not about me, me doing it. That doesn't help you. Helping other people do it, that could change the world. And, and that's really why I'm here. I want to help people learn that there is a solution for learning that'll work, that'll let them learn more in less time, understand better, not worse. Remember it, apply it, make better, get a better job, make more money, help their kids finish school. Grandma and grandpa don't turn into vegetables when they get older, their brains stay. I'm 72. I don't feel old. I'm still writing and working and doing everything I did when I was 20. It hurts a little more. <laughs> I'm not as limber as I was at 20, I'll be honest. But other than that, I'm, I'm the same person. And that's what I do. I think that's a really great introduction. It also shapes the person that you are. Uh, for me, it's it definitely shapes the fact that you're doing this for selfless reasons. At the end of the day, I think from your story, I'm still hearing you're very much that teacher. You're just you've just expanded, again gone gone a bit more global with the whole thing. One one I was a yogi when I got out of college. I got interested in consciousness, not because I studied genetics and psychophysiology, and I'm like. You look at the brain of Michelangelo, would you see David? If you look at the brain of Da Vinci, would you see the Mona Lisa? There's more to the human personality than neurons. It, it's bigger than that. There's a consciousness that's even bigger. And what I learned is we're all connected. Everyone matters. There's no small jobs. The reason you and I are here today, someone's in a farm right now growing food for us. Someone's in a factory making clothes if they weren't doing that, we'd have to do it ourselves. None of us could be doing what we do. There are no small jobs. Everything matters. Everybody matters. And we all should help each other and be grateful for other people making those sacrifices for us so we could do the things that we're doing. And uh, that's really what moves me. You can see I'm a president of my Rotary Club. That's the banner in the background, which is a way of giving back. I, I've done free programs in Malawi, the poorest country in the world. They don't have food. They're going to buy my program? No. I just gave my program to a school in Haiti. It's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. They can't buy anything. They can't even buy food. So you, you have to help these people to get out of that, that situation. And it's going to come through education and building skills and understanding. Bombs don't build rapport education does and that's where I'm trying to make a difference where there's a lot of tension in the world I think if people would learn more and understand better we could begin getting closer as a human race instead of seeing everyone as you're different than me so you're not as good as me and that isn't the way the world should be acting but it does in many cases and that's some of the problem and I'm trying to fix that I really like that you mentioned that. I think eventually we would have come to this, but I'm happy we got to it a bit sooner than later. Um, I definitely believe that a lot of the issues that are happening right now that are causing the polarization, it all comes down to just not having great education. 
And by having great education, I think we might unite more people. Uh, that's partially why we've been also inviting more teachers, uh, more people in the education sphere to come on this show. Um, so I'm very happy that you've come on, that you're a teacher as well and coming from that perspective. But I, obviously I don't want to like give you too many compliments. I want to get into the gist I'll, of I'll what you're them. doing. So that <laughs> <laughs> Tell my wife what a lucky lady she is. Come on. <laughs> If you, I'll definitely do that. Don't worry. But uh, so let's get for the for the listeners. You know, at this point, they're probably convinced. How many times did I not sit in law school and think if I only had a system uh, to learn? I've um, we've had a couple of memory world champions on. Um, I remember in university, my first book, actually the first book I ever bought as a teenager was by, um, I think it was Harry Lorraine. Oh, okay. I'm familiar with it. It was my own money. I, I, I saved up for that, bought the book, um, on how to learn about memory and stuff like that, getting like this photographic memory. It was fascinating to me. Um, but the one thing, I guess, before we get into the skills based, um, what is the difference? How do you see it? Obviously, achieved what you've achieved. How do you see the difference between somebody who's really good at memory and somebody who's doing speed reading? Because in my mind, uh, when I hear a speed reader, I feel like you're just going through the pages, taking like mental pictures and then somehow recollecting. Like, how, how is the skill different? Is it the same skill? Um, can you elaborate a bit more on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. In fact, that's a really, really important question, not just a good question. First, let's start off that reading isn't learning, slow reading or fast reading. It's part of learning, but it's not learning. Because if it was, everyone reading a book would get an A or, or nail the interview. And we know that isn't what happens. So what is learning? Let's answer that because it's kind of implied in your question. And then I'll go into what the differences are. Uh, learning is understanding the meaning and significance of what you're learning and being able to apply and use it when you need it. That's learning. What a lot of people do is they learn words, they learn names, they learn dates. They know the answers when they get a question, but they don't understand the significance. So if you said, if I said, what year did Columbus discover the new world? He didn't discover America. I'm sure you know that he discovered uh, some Caribbean islands. He never made it to America, which is a misnomer. Uh, say, oh, 1492. That's not, I had a school. We asked them different questions. What was the impact of the discovery on the indigenous tribes? What was the impact in Europe on the religious beliefs, on the economics, on imperialism? And you look at all the wars that were fought over territories. The world was round. It wasn't flat. That was a big deal. <clears throat> they killed all the people who lived here with diseases, intentionally or not. That's, that's understanding what happened. Knowing his name and what year he showed up, that's not learning. That's a very low-level understanding. Most speeding programs do not work. They're both mostly based on mechanics. And so you condition yourself to go quicker and quicker. And then you read something you don't know, a new word, a name, and you slow down to learn it. You lose your speed. It's all or nothing. Fast, always or nothing. I fixed that, by the way. To me, I made a Swiss Army knife. I use reading to find what I don't know and need to learn. And I have a way to figure that out. 
They don't waste time learning something that's irrelevant, which often is what people do. They study and nothing they study is on the test or asked at the meeting. So you wasted all that time. Second, what do you do when you're confused? You read the calculus book. You don't know how to do calculus. It isn't that you didn't read it. You don't know how to use it. That's a different problem. Comprehension skills, brain-based learning strategies. Now you understand it, you want to remember it. And here's a big thing with memory. I can memorize a book and have no idea what I just learned. I can learn every formula in the calculus book and regurgitate them perfectly and not be able to solve a single problem because I don't know how they work or what to do with them. I just know what they are. That's a big difference between learning and memory and, and reading. And then there's the emotional intelligence component. What if you got nervous when the test started? What happens to all the information you learned? It's gone. Or you get tired taking a long test. The information's gone. So emotional intelligence is important. I teach that. And then uh, finally, what am I supposed to learn? How do I know what I'm looking for? How do I know when I found it? What do I do with it? So I don't forget it in five minutes. So by combining reading, study skills, comprehension skills, memory skills, emotional intelligence skills, it's like something no one's done before. I took what I learned about the brain and psychobiology, what I learned in graduate school about how reading works on the unconscious level to create a very unique approach that's more focused on learning and understanding than speed. Now, it turns out you go one to four times faster in a few hours, most double. But the real goal was never to read faster, it was to read smarter and be able to do more when you're done. So I hope that answers the question you asked. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it did. Uh, if I would dive deeper then into the question um, on the speeds metric, based on what you said then, if you would take a new novel, let's say a new Harry Potter comes out or a new Lord of the Rings, well, probably not gonna happen, but a new book comes out, it's fiction, obviously a lot of new worlds, new, new everything. Does that mean that your reading speed then goes down to normal people? That's a good question. There's different kinds of reading. There's pleasure reading, there's self-learning when you're trying to do something on your own. There's studying for work or school where someone else will ask questions, not you. There's mastery, like a doctor or a lawyer, where you really have to know what's in the book, not some of it, all of it. And there's a lot to know. So reading a novel isn't preparing for surgery. And preparing for surgery isn't reading a novel. So it's not the same skill in each case. You have to adapt. How much time do I have? What do I actually need to know? How well do I know it already? What's my aptitude in this? Is this something, I'm, am I artistic and it's something I do easily? I'm someone who can't draw a straight line with a ruler and I'm learning art. Is it the same subject? No. So there are lots of nuances to learning uh, that people don't, don't pay attention to. It's not the same thing, but I'll tell you what I do with a novel because I think that's what you were really asking. When I'm reading a novel, I speed up the boring parts. You know, the parts you say, when is it going to get interesting again? And you're like, I don't know if I'm going to even read this. It's just too, too slow. So by going quickly through the boring parts, I know what's happening. I understand what's going on. I don't feel anything because I'm going too fast. 
You can't react emotionally when you're going at high speed. It's too fast, which is perfect. So not feeling annoyed and irritated, which is what you would be feeling. And then when it looks more interesting, like this is more like it. This is what I wanted to experience. I slow down. But you don't chug Don Perignon. And you don't look at the Mona Lisa on a skateboard. You take time to appreciate the beauty of each experience. Some novels have areas where there's a beautiful experience to be experienced. And when that happens, I go down to a slower speed where I could experience the ambiance and the words and, and, and how, how it's descriptive. And I enjoy it and I get pleasure from it. And then I speed up again when it isn't fun, where it's, it's annoying and irritating, which means I'll finish it faster than most people. There's lots of boring parts. But I also maximize my enjoyment where I can. And so I got the best of both worlds, less boring, more pleasure. But I've, I've adjusted what I'm doing. I'm not staying at the same rate everywhere. And that's true in nonfiction. I slow down with this more new, unfamiliar, challenging information that I have to reflect upon and master because I've never seen it before versus information that I'm well-versed in and understand completely. It's not the same. So I have different strategies for different kinds of data depending on what my needs are. When you say speed up, what is it that you do exactly? Oh, I'll actually teach it to you if you'd like. Yeah. We could start. This will get you and our audience 20 to 40% faster. And when I'm done, I want to just teach one other skill, which is comprehension, because I think that's more important. So when this is over, pick a book you've read, preferably nonfiction, because nonfiction is designed for learning. Fiction is designed to confuse you. If you understand the ending at the beginning, it's not a very good novel. So read for a minute with a timer. Maybe you have a phone or a watch. And at the end, and read normal. Do nothing different. Just the way you now read. When the timer rings, put a pencil mark where you finish. So you've measured. That's how far I read now doing what I do. That's very fair. Now go to the second chapter in your book. Take your hand and go across one line at a time with your eye following your hand continuously. And here's the secret as fast as you could comprehend. So as long as you know what you're reading, go quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker till you don't. But since you already know the book, there's only one reason you got confused. It was too fast. That's how you know it's too fast. Slow down just enough so the comprehension's back. And then for as fast as you can understand, not faster, not slower, for five minutes, move that eye with the hand one line at a time. Now go back to the first chapter. Well, you tested yourself and again, one minute, time yourself with your hand going as fast as you can comprehend. And you're going to pass that pencil mark by 20 to 40% doing that one change. And that's what most speed reading programs will do. And that's why they don't work well, because they're focusing on that speed aspect. Now, let me show you the new part. One of the big, one of the big breakthroughs. Uh, about 25 years ago, I was on MSNBC. And I was with Dick Cavett. He was a very famous show host, sort of like Johnny Carson or Stephen Colbert. Some of you are younger. You may not recognize him, but he's, he was brilliant. He, he has great things on YouTube still left over from back in the day. 
brilliant man. And we got to be friends. So I hung out with him after the interview, which is unusual. Usually when you're done, you're done. And we were talking. He told me a funny story about Woody Allen, who took Evelyn Woods, be reading, and read War and Peace, which is like this big, in five minutes. He says, that's incredible, Woody. What do you remember? And Woody said, it's about the Russian Revolution. That's all I remember. And that was speed reading. It was a calculus book. It was a book about biology. You didn't learn anything. So let me show you how, and by the way, the guy who owned Evelyn Woods during its peak period was Maurice Thompson Jr. He hired me to teach his son my system. And he said, you've gone past speed reading to speed learning, bringing it to the 21st century. Let me show you one of the things I did. So I mentioned I went to graduate school. And one of the things I learned about is how the brain makes sense out of text, which is different than reading it. So I'm going to read a passage that has no schema, which is the key to comprehension. And watch how confusing it is. Then I'll read it a second time with a title, one word. And instantly it makes total sense because the title has schema and you can see how it works. This is the schemaless, confusing text. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home, but you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. <clears throat> this is a major mistake. It may cost you quite a bit of money. I have no idea what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things it could be, but you don't know what it is. Now I'll read it again with one word, a title, and watch how it totally makes sense. Laundry. Laundry. This is an easy thing to do. If possible, you could do it at home. But you could always go someplace else if it's necessary. Beware of overdoing it. This is a major mistake. It could cost you quite a bit of money. No confusion. So I'm teaching people where these clues are, how to find them. They're going two, three, four times faster. By the way, they can learn more about it at Berg Learning. That's like my name, berglearning.com. We have some free lessons there. And uh, now you're not just reading faster, you're reading smarter. You're understanding what your brain is looking for. So even in a very technical book like law, medicine, chemistry, which is high-level learning, that's not like reading a, a Superman comic book. You're going to understand it at two to four times faster, better, better than you did at the slow speed because you're learning what your brain is doing unconsciously and you become it's metacognition. You're becoming conscious of what your brain does and now you have more control. And that was a big difference because now you could slow down, read something you didn't know to learn it and then go right back to reading quickly again, which wasn't possible the way they used to teach speed reading. It was a, so I really was more involved with speed learning and speed reading. It's a different approach. Did that, did that help? Yeah, yeah, a lot. So uh, when you look at speed learning, you've mentioned you teach, uh, for instance, special forces, that type of people. I guess my question is in an adult life setting for people who aren't like lawyers or something, what is kind of the most common task where they can use this skill? It's a great question. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a story and then I'll apply that to your question because it, it's relevant. For about 15 years ago, I was lecturing a lot on cruise ships. And my wife wanted to go to Hawaii and they had a cruise ship. 
So I said, I'd like to speak on my topic on the cruise ship. They said, they don't want your topic. Well, that's a bummer. What do they want? That's the next question, right? What do they want? They want someone to teach photography, video, and Photoshop. So I, I teach that. I didn't teach that, but I, I learned fast. I could read 10 books in three hours and understand them. So I know if you read 10 books, you know how to do something. There are 10 books on Photoshop in three hours, and the next day, 10 books on video, and the next day, 10 books on photography. And when I got to the cruise, I'm like, please, let these people... The question I wanted was, you mean they don't use film? How do they take pictures without film? That was my perfect audience, right? First guy walks in. He's a professional photographer, 38 years. And he wants me to teach him how to take pictures. And I'm like, okay. The second guy comes in. I've been doing Photoshop for five years. I hear you're an expert. I'm like, sure. He sits down. My wife's in the front crying. They said, if I didn't do it, they'd throw us off the boat. Not in the water, but when we got to the shore. And they did throw people off. We did see people get thrown off the ship. Well, at the end of the week, they're like, how many years did you study to learn all that? He said, I learned it last week in three hours. I wanted a free trip to Hawaii, which is the real answer. But I couldn't say that. Well, Imagine now you're a normal person. You have a job. Every day, you could read. I had an 84 year old read three books in three hours. So I'm going to say a normal person can read at least a book a day in an hour or less. Reasonable. Every day, you learn a new skill like Photoshop or video or photography or communicating or marketing or socializing, SEO, something that your business needs to make more money. Every day, for the rest of your life, you learn a new skill. Where would you be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Can you see how that could just totally be a game changer for everything you do for the rest of your life? Because we learn from two things, the people around us and the books we read. Most people don't work on books because it's too hard. They don't know what to do. They don't have time. And... So they're basically barely keeping up with what they do need to know, let alone learning new things. With this, they can learn new things and keep up. And suddenly, you're making more money. And that's what people want. Now, most people, when they want to make more money, do one of two things, both of which are wrong. They work more hours, or they work two jobs, or three jobs, or four jobs. No, that isn't how you make more money. You learn something that pays better. And you work less hours <laughs> and you make more money doing less. That's what rich people do. They get skills that have higher value. A surgeon makes more money than a person digging a ditch in the heat. Now, is it easy to dig a ditch in the heat? No, it's really, really hard. But that's what they know how to do. It takes years to become a surgeon. They make thousands and thousands of dollars an hour because of what they know and how valuable it is when you're sick. They're the only person on earth that could save your life. You'll pay them every penny you have <clears throat> or you'll die. A guy digs a hole, you respect his work. It's certainly hard work, but it's not going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because you can find someone else to dig a hole. So ultimately what determines your success in this world is between your ears. I've read about 30,000 books. If I'm an idiot, I'm well-informed. And I would like to think everyone listening could benefit from knowing more 
No one got up today and said, boy, I hope I know less today than I did yesterday. I really want to make less money than I did yesterday. I want an uglier partner. I want to have lower income. I want to struggle every minute I'm alive to survive. Nobody thinks like that. But what makes you succeed? What you know. That's it. The decisions you make based on what you know. And if you know more, you have more opportunities and you're going to have a much better life. Now, reading a lot doesn't guarantee success, but not reading pretty much guarantees failure. Because no one succeeds through ignorance. I could think of one case, but listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I was thinking of the same one. But uh, let's continue. Um, we won't go there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh... When I hear that, and it's the same thing that when I picked up that first book uh, on memory, when I meet these people that are world champions, uh, that are fastest reader, all that, um, I get what you're saying. And you gave a great tip that will obviously speed it because I know for a fact, like I've done those classes and, you know, it does speed it up. Um, but it gets quite intimidating when I know what is possible. So I, I look at your results, for instance, that you've done uh, publicly. Um, and I'm just like, I, I don't even know kind of how you did it in that one year uh, when you were in university uh, and you needed to like just just get it done. So I guess my question is, when it's not organized, when you were first discovering it, that one year where you really kind of figured out, I would say, probably the fundamentals of it. What is it that you were doing? What, what, how were you failing? Um, and which failures gave you aha moments? Could you maybe describe that one year and you discovering the system? Well, remember as a child, I read a lot because that was all I could do. So I was, before I read fast, I read 3,000 words a minute which is 15 times faster than normal. But it's like anything, if you did something every day for 15 years, you'd get pretty good at it. <laughs> and that's what I did. And then what I did is I started observing myself. Remember, I was studying psychobiology. So I turned a part of my mind inward and I watched myself reading. And I asked myself, what am I doing that people aren't doing? What am I doing that's unique? And I watch the different stages of what I was doing to process information as if it was someone else. And I wrote down what I was observing, self-observing. So like Freud, I'm doing self-analysis. And then I had a list of what I did and how I did it. And I said, okay, now you have a program. You have a system. This is, this is your menu. This is, this is what your brain does when you read. Let's see if someone else's brain can do it. So I taught what I was doing to other people. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, Micah Stanley passed the bar at 19 in California doing this. Uh, Brad Voller got his four-year college degree in six months at Thomas Edison. Learned Chinese in three weeks. Became a missionary. Sold his company at 40 for $38 million. Uh, Stephen Terry. Graduated University of Texas Arlington, 16, 4.0, economics degree, master's in math at Oklahoma University at 19, 397 GPA, professor at Yale. Uh, but how? They used my system. I taught them what I was doing, and they used the same system I used, 
and it gave them the same results I was getting. But I'm assuming it wasn't, obviously like in your program, you'll go for hours about it and, and the details, but on the general lines, I'm assuming it's not oh, just putting I studied in a learning in college it's, as a psych major. I took learning, I took motivation, I took psychophysiology, I took testing and measurements, I took statistics. I was learning about the mind and how the mind thinks and learns and processes and remembers and forgets. And I'm looking at all that data and I'm like, why don't we use any of this? Why aren't we using this in school to learn more? This is great information. This information has practical applications in the real world. I'll give you my backstory. I wanted to be a professor of psychobiology. That was my dream. So after I graduated college, I, they have a room they put you in to look up jobs for your, jo for your profession. And for every thousand PhDs in psychobiology, there were two jobs. That means there are 500 people for every job. What does that tell you? One, they don't pay very well because they got someone else who'll take it for nothing. They got 500, 499 other people who say, I'll take it. So right there, the demand is very high and the availability is only two per thousand. So that tells you you're going to get a very bad salary. Two, you're going to spend six figures getting that PhD and then get a job that will never give you enough income to pay it back. So I'm looking at that and saying, well, that isn't going to work. So instead, I kept studying on my own because I read fast. And I said, let's find practical applications for what I'm learning in the real world. And who's the one who's most likely to pay me? Two people. You have a kid going to college and you want to make sure they won't live with you till they're 40. You want them to have good grades and have a job. So that's someone who's going to pay me. Well, you have a company. And you're struggling to stay on top of all the information you have to know to do your job. You're going to pay me. And why? Because what I'm teaching you will make you more money than you're paying me, which means it's free. Nobody minds in business paying for something if it gives them a higher productivity that pays for it than what the skill costs initially. As long as there's a profit on it, who cares? That's why we advertise. We make more money afterwards than we paid on the advertisement if you did it right. So those were the two primary markets. Then there's seniors who don't want to be vegetables and don't want to learn how to stay mentally fit. But the primary market was always students wanting to be better students and not fail because a lot of them fail. 50% in four-year college dropout, 70% in two-year. And then business people who have no choice. You know, if you don't learn, your competitor will, and you'll be out of business. And so I knew there was a niche for what I was learning that could pay me. But to to dive into the system a little bit, then uh, when you um, teach someone to, for instance, learn Chinese, um, you already mentioned in the beginning, first thing you do with people is, you know, you use your hand in a certain way so you can go better through the page. Another thing you shared is obviously comprehension. If you have a good context of what you're reading, you'll read faster because you understand what it's about. Um, but it still doesn't explain 
somebody learning Chinese in three months. Like I spent three weeks in China <laughs> and I, I couldn't do it. So you could, you could. No, it's three weeks, not three months, three weeks. The, okay. So how? <laughs> but he's exceptional. I'm going to tell you that was not a normal person. He's, he was brilliant. He's not normal. I'm not going to tell you that was normal. It isn't normal. He's brilliant. That part of it. But um, first of all, there's actually two parts to your question. First part is what am I trying to learn? The second part is how do I remember? So why don't we tackle both of those questions? What are you trying to learn? It comes down to five things. If you learn the five things I'm about to tell you, you will know whatever you need to know in any subject. What are the five things? First, vocabulary. New words. How do you know what words? They usually don't look the same. They're bolded, they're italic, they're color, they're in a glossary. The writer does something to say, look at this, this word doesn't look like the other word. One of these words is not like the others. There's a reason. You need to know it. He wants you to look at it. Second is names. Who's in the book? What did they do? Third, any number, date, statistical formula. Fourth, what are the five big points made in every section and subsection of the book? The big takeaways. You have to think to do that. And questions and answers. And here's a little uh, extra. In a lot of books, the questions are at the end. So you read 60 pages, there's 20 questions, you don't know any answers, you got to read it again. What if you read the questions first? Now you know what you need to know before you even look. And when you see it, you know you need to know it. You're going to pay more attention. So if you know every word and what it means, every person, what they did, every number and why it matters, the five most important ideas and the answers to every question, what do you think you also have to know? We did this with kids 11 to 15. They did a 30 chapter book in lifelong developmental psych in a week. And 15 out of 18 passed it for full credit. <clears throat> now, the second question <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is memory. Why don't I do a memory technique with you just to get started? Because there's many of them. We don't have time to do all of them. But I'm going to give you 10 things to remember. And you won't be able to. Then I'll show you how, not only you remember it, but you remember it backwards and forwards, effortlessly. In fact, this is so simple, three-year-olds can actually learn this, and it's literal, because I taught it to three-year-olds. Second, this is not a drill, this is a tool. You will use it for the rest of your life. So caveat, remember 10% of what you read, 90% of what you say and do. I'm gonna ask you to say and do at times, to lock it in. Now I'll teach you the technique after I give you the 10 things. You want to remember pole, shoes, tricycle, car, glove, gun, dice, skate, cat, and bowling pins. I'm going to bet right now you don't know all 10. Is that, is that safe? No. Yeah, you, you went too fast. <laughs> I'm, so probably not gonna I'm not going to go much slower and you're going to remember it. The ancient Greeks discovered a shortcut. Take a list you know that's hanging in your memory and connect what you're learning to that list. And I'm going to bet you and our audience can all count to 10. I feel confident that's true. So we're going to use the 10 numbers to learn 10 things really fast. The first number is 1, and a pole looks like a 1, like a lamp pole or a flag pole. It looks like a 1. When I say 1, you say pole. Ready? 1. Yep. Pole. Good. 
Two is shoes. You wear two shoes. What's two? Shoes. What's one? Pole. Three is tricycle. Three wheels. What's three? Tricycle. Two. Shoes. One. Pole. Getting smarter. Your brain's learning. Four is a car, because there's four tires on a car. Four. Yeah, car. Two. Tricycle. Two. Shoes. Pole. Yeah. No, two. Shoes. One. Pole. Three. Tricycle. Yeah, I'm jumping on purpose, because it doesn't matter now. Five is a glove. How many fingers in a glove? Five. What's five? Glove. What's three? Tricycle. What's one? Pole. Six gun. In Texas, the Cowboys, six gun. They love guns in Texas. Six. Gun. What's six? Gun. Four? Gun. Uh, car. Two. Uh, shoes. Lucky seven and dice. Lucky seven. What's seven? Dice. What was five? Give me a clue. A gloves. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. We're almost done. Rhymes work. Say eight skate. Wait, what? Eight skate. Like a roller skate. Okay, why is it eight? Because it rhymes. Eight skate. What's eight? Skate. Six. What did they love in Texas? Guns. Four. Gun. Um, car. Two. Shoes. Perfect. Nine. How many lives does a cat have? Nine. What's nine? Cat. What was seven lucky in? The game of? Dice. Five is a? Uh, glove. Three. Tricycle. One. Pole. Ten. How many bowling pins are in a lane? Ten. What's ten? Bow, uh, bowling pins? What's one? Pole. Two. Yeah, okay. uh, shoes. Three. Tricycle. Four. Car. Five. Glove. Six. Texas. Uh, gun. Seven's lucky in. Dice. Eight yeah. rhymes with. Uh, skate. Nine is a. Uh, nine lives. Yeah, cat. And ten. Is um. Uh, what game? <laughs> What is 10 pins? Oh, bowling. Perfect. Bowling pins. Now, here's how you use it. This is a way to speed learn numbers. Imagine you're in a hotel. Your room is 314. By the time you're in the lobby, you forgot what room you were in. Ever happened? You make a movie and you turn the numbers to pictures. Three is a tricycle. One is a pole. Four is a car. Picture this. A tricycle hits a pole on a car. A tricycle hits a pole on a car. Tricycle, what number? 314, yeah. That's uh, the same system that... Uh, Harry Lorraine does, yeah. yes. and But it works. So suddenly, you can remember any number. And the 10 is the zero, the 10 bowling pins. Because the numbers, there's only zero to nine. So now you have a picture. So when you're learning numbers, you can make a picture out of them, make a movie. And yes, what works, works. And he didn't invent it. The Greeks did. This is thousands of years before he even was born. It's very, very ancient. The Greeks used it. The Romans used it. And we don't... Why don't we teach this in school? Why don't we teach kids before they learn subjects how to learn, how to remember, how to stay focused? We don't. And then when they don't learn, we blame them. But we never taught them how it's done, how to fix it. And then they give up, they drop out. And a lot of them are smart, but they just don't know what they're doing wrong. They think learning, and this is a big part of the problem, is time. 
I read for five hours. I looked at 400 pages and then I got an F. So studying doesn't work. No, you didn't learn anything. You looked at 500 pages and didn't understand any of it. You sat for five hours and flipped pages and you didn't know anything you looked at. It isn't how long and it isn't how, I did a graduate course in educational psychology in seven hours. Now it's a five month course. It was a 400 page book in seven hours. I read it four times and I took the test. The test was uh, six hours long. It was an AP test. I finished in 50 minutes. I got a B plus. Why didn't I get an A? I was a teacher. I needed the credits, four credits. My goal was not to learn the course. My goal was to get four credits. I needed a C minus. I got a B plus for $65 in less than eight hours. I thought it was a win. And that's really important. That's another point. Always know what you're trying to accomplish. What's your win? Are you trying to learn the subject or get credits? It's not the same thing. If I'm trying to learn the subject, they'd want an A, but I'm not. I want, I want to get those four credits and not spend six months in school getting them. I want to do it in eight hours. That's my win. So for me to summarize, uh, if you use those two systems, the first one that you explained and the second one, which is the anchoring to the certain number, that's how you use, that's how you take a 400 page book and then you read through it, picking out the most important parts, the questions, all that stuff, but then also you link important facts to the to this anchoring system with there's numbers. a number of systems there's more than one so learning a language isn't learning uh calculus learning calculus isn't reading the newspaper reading the newspaper isn't reading a novel uh one thing doesn't work for everything and it's different for different people how much do you know already how good are you at learning languages compared to someone who isn't or math compared to someone who isn't all those things matter so there isn't one way I teach a toolbox. Here are the tools. Let's find the tool that works for you in this subject. And it's a different tool for every person. Because we should, the system should adjust to you, your learning style, and what your needs are. How much do you need to know and how much time do you have? So there isn't a, a magic trick where everybody does exactly the same thing, exactly this. No. Everyone's different. Everyone's unique. Everyone's talents are different. So one thing won't work for everyone, but it'll work. And it may work for one person in a language and another person in a novel. But it isn't this, it's the same technique, but it's different for each person, how they'll apply it. And individualized learning is really the way it should be because for all individuals. That's true. Uh, then, then maybe a question around the actual application. So when when you're learning we, we covered this a little bit with you know the crews that you mentioned but like when you're learning a photoshop and you're when you're teaching that student to learn chinese um he did there, it on his own uh, i didn't teach him that he did it uh, well he did it then with the system but uh isn't there a something to say for practical experience as well where you actually have to do it or how does that work because i've read and seen youtube videos about how to make movies but I think it took me like four years into my company working with some of the best filmmakers before I started to understand kind of how to make commercials be great and, and all these things in my main company. 
um, before we started the event, same thing. Okay. Um, I'll show you a better way to learn. How's that? When I take notes, I use a three column table. So picture a word or, or whatever word processor you use, they all pretty much do the same thing. You have three columns. The first column is what everyone else has. You take notes on what you're learning. That's pretty much what you do when you take notes, but you're missing two thirds of the rest of the information. Let me show you what it is because it's important. In the second column, I do one of two things. It's my insights. Why is this important? Why is this significant? Or, and this is a big one, what did they do to make it interesting? Uh, did they tell a joke? Did they tell a story? Did they have a picture? What did the writer do? Or if it's a workshop, what did the speaker do? And I went, wow, that's amazing. Because whatever they did, I can use that. When I'm speaking, when I'm writing, it makes people go, wow, that's amazing. You just found something that works because it worked on you. So write that down in the second column. And here's the rest of it. This is big. In the third column, how will you use what you just learned? That's a big one. Most people go to a conference, they take notes. Three weeks later, all they remember is they had good donuts and they made some friends. As far as what they learned, it's gone. They spent $10,000, they don't remember anything. Now imagine every time you learn something, at the, let's say I'm in a Dan Kennedy seminar. He's a friend of mine. Dan Kennedy, Dan Kennedy passed away. No, he didn't. He survived. The financial guy. I, I yeah, he was seen. very sick. He was in hospital. Oh my hospice. God, my heart broke when I he heard He didn't the die. News. He's, he was too honorary. He was too honorary. He was in hospice. Nobody comes out of hospice. Nobody. That's the end. He's alive. He's doing seminars. That's great news because my heart, I think it was like two years ago. Or so yes, he wrote a letter that, that he was dying. He actually wrote a letter. I got the letter that he was dying. It broke my heart. He's a friend of mine. I know him like 30 years. Well, you have a, you can tell him that there is a fan who is really happy with the news. <laughs> I used to lecture with him in Zig Ziglar. So when I heard he was dying, I felt, and when he said he was dying, I felt, oh my God, how sad. How sad. No, he, he got better. I don't know how he did, but he was too honorary to die. If you know Dan, he's, he's, he's a character. He's a real character. Nobody else like him. So I lost my train of thought, but, uh, Oh, so he's teaching a marketing strategy and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wow, I could sell a lot of reading programs if I did that. So in my third column, how will I use the strategy he just showed me to make more money selling reading programs? Now I go home. I don't just look at what I learned. I look at what I said I would do and I do it. That's when you learn. When you do it, watching it isn't learning. Doing it is learning. And I wrote down why I need to do it. And I wrote down what I need to do. And every day I do two or three of those things every day, every day, every day. And when I make more money doing it, do you think I have to study it again? If you just doubled your income from an idea that he gave you and it, and it worked, do you think you have to read it over and over again? Your brain goes, wow, I just doubled my income. I want to remember this. That's, that's, that's what's missing in learning. You're just writing down stuff and your brain's like, I had so much stuff thrown at me today. I don't remember half of it anymore. And what the hell did I learn it for? Versus I learned not only the stuff, but why it matters 
and how I can make something out of it and do something with it. That makes all the difference in the world, what you're learning. When you actually get results and see a change for the better in your life, your brain doesn't need help learning that. Your brain doesn't ever want to forget it. Yeah, so, so in short, this would apply also to, let's say there's a huge um, trend now in online courses. A lot of people doing online courses. So Mine's online. Just, yeah, well, yours is, uh, I would say, one of the ones that is has been online. Now there's like a lot of other courses, I would call it. Like, Mine's in 109 languages. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like yours is the OG, the good one. And then there's like a lot of like these mini courses now, which gets overwhelming. But what I what I was going to say, so um, when people, they buy 20 or 30 courses, maybe go through one. But if technically they, they could use your system. First, do it first. Learn how to learn the other 30 programs before yeah, you get them. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, so if you learn how to learn, then technically you can then use the three column system where you get to pick and choose the systems. And then as you go through the videos, you can just take the notes that you need. So pretty much like speed read, except you're speed, well, you speed learn. Right, as you said. exactly. You got it. That's it. And it isn't just books. It is videos. It is lectures. You're learning how to learn. You're learning what to learn. You're learning what to do with what you learn. You're learning how to think. You're learning how to apply it. You're not just learning how to look at words on a page. It's it's much bigger than that. You're you got it now. That's exactly what I do. That's different. I like that because because for me it was like initially missing the context. Okay, so you learn in the books, but but you really just teach how to learn, and then if you use that system and individually some systems might work better than others but in this case i can see the three column thing really working also for me if i'm doing like an online course i'm trying to better my skills for instance i'm learning german nowadays i could uh, use one of the systems and just kind of go through the book answer the questions look at the bold things go just like a little not even though i can imagine a lot faster uh, than i'm going right now two to three times maybe four and understand better and remember more and that's really what you want so they go to berglearning.com we have some free lessons and uh we have a support team if they have a problem they get help and if they don't help them i do i actually get involved uh for two reasons one in business you don't want to make a refund you want to people to get what they paid for. So I want to make sure they actually learn what they paid for because that's important to me. And second, if they have a problem, I want to know what so I can fix it. After 35 years of fixing problems, they don't have a lot of problems anymore. I already fixed it. And that's what good programs are about. You, you listen to what people said. I didn't understand this. I'm like, oh, then I didn't teach it right. Let me teach it this way. Then I don't hear any more problems. Oh, that worked. And so, and so over time, I made changes based on what people's questions were. Because it doesn't matter what I think. You're the one paying. You're the one who has a goal. If you think it doesn't work, that's more important than I think it does. So I have to fix it. So you come around and say, you know what? You're right. It didn't work. That, that to me is much more important. I really like that. Um, we're nearing the end, but before we get there, um, I wanted to ask you, 
it, it's not every day you get to talk with someone who who does something like this, who impacts a lot of people. I do every day. <laughs> For me, then I don't get to meet every day someone like that. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, that means you hang out with great people. So that's I, I fun. Hang out with that great is fun. As well. I gotta be honest. That is fun. I enjoy that. But uh, I guess my question is, um, you do a lot of interviews. A lot of people want to know about the skills. Um, I think for me, at least, when I do these interviews, I want to get to know the person a lot. And you've shared a lot, which um, obviously showed me your mission in life. Uh, but what is something that people don't tend to ask you that you think is still very important to share? Um, is there something like that? Yeah, I'm a grandparent. I think what really alarms me is where this world is headed. Uh, we're giving kids global warming, exploding deficits, a virus, and it's not the last virus. There's going to be no, more. I agree. It's going to be more. It's it's the population gets denser, and people travel more around. Viruses are going to be ubiquitous. It's nothing you can do. That's biology. And I look at that, and it makes me sad. I mean, when we when I was a young man. If you went to college and you got a good education and you worked really hard, you knew you would have a very successful life. There wasn't a question. Today, that's not true. There are people with degrees that are starving, can't find work. People that work their butts off that got fired because a machine could do it faster and better. There's one coal man working where 20 worked because they have machines that do the work of 19 other people. That's never going to change. And so I'm looking at our legacy for our children and our grandchildren. It's not a pretty, it's not a pretty future. Right now, 30% of all the jobs will disappear in five to 10 years. That's what Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren, they're talking about it. No one's listening. Truck drivers, there won't be any. It'll be a machine. Who wants to pay someone to, to sleep when the machine won't stop? It'll just go and go and go and go and go. And a lot of the jobs that people with low educations did for centuries, even prostitutes, they're making robots. <laughs> that was the easiest job you could get. <laughs> now it'll be a robot. So, I mean, think about that. So all these jobs that people would do to make a living, they're going to disappear. If you're not smart, if you don't learn fast, if you don't understand what's going on and you're not ready for the next thing quickly, you're going to be sitting wondering, what the hell happened? Why aren't I able to find a job? Why can't I make a living? And I'm trying to fix that. The solution is get smarter. Learn new things faster. A good example, Blockbuster. Biggest company in the world with DVDs. They blew it away. They bought trainloads. No one could compete until Netflix said, who needs stores? We'll mail it to them. And what happened to Blockbuster? They're gone. What worked doesn't work forever. And then came Redbox. And now Netflix doesn't do DVDs like it did. It's online. Now, Blockbuster could have done that. They didn't think about it. They made a mistake. They could have switched to online programming like Netflix did. But they didn't have a vision. This is true in every industry, everyone listening. What makes you successful today, like Blockbuster, tomorrow might cause you to be broke. What changes is what's between your ears. 
your ability to learn and understand is the only safety net you have in this world. And you can grow that capacity to learn and understand in a few short hours at berglearning.com. And then you and your kids will have a future. No matter what happens, people who are smart, people who can change, people who can adapt, they'll still be okay. Everyone else, not so much. And that's, and that's what I'm trying to do today is make people see there is a solution, but I can't do it myself. I provide it. You have to take a step. Go and try the program risk-free yourself and see, yeah, this guy actually knows what he's doing and it helped me. It made my life better. And that's what fulfills me. It's the people that I've helped and hearing what it did for their lives that makes me feel I'm doing something with my life that's worth doing, that it's not just about me. And, and that's something I want people to know. It's not just about me. I live in a world with a lot of people and there's a lot of pain in this world. And we're not going to fix it with hate. We're going to fix it through knowledge. And that's why I feel my calling is, is to help people find the right tools to, to acquire the knowledge they need and their kids need and their parents need so we can build it together. Instead of seeing other people as our enemies, we see them as part of our family. And that's really what we need to do to make this world work or we won't have a world. I like that. I think on that note, we can definitely wrap up. Before we do, I would love to kind of roll out the red carpet for you. Where can people find you? Where can they buy stuff? Obviously, you've mentioned a couple of times, but what else do you want I'm to share? I'm looking for a red carpet. <laughs> it's a virtual red carpet. <laughs> virtual, okay. Berg Learning is B-E-R-G learning.com. There's reading, writing, memory, and math. And there's a bundle with everything. Reading is in 109 languages. So whatever you speak, I'm pretty sure one of those languages will be one that you are familiar with. If nothing else, if you're listening to this program, you probably speak English. So it is in English. And it'll double your learning rate to quadruple it. You'll understand better. You'll understand how to remember it. You'll know what to look for. You'll make more money. Your kids will do better in school. Writing, I wrote a book in five hours. It went number one on Amazon. So I made a program on how to overcome writer's block. Memory, I gave you one little slice, but there's a whole lot of techniques, like you said, on memory. Math is a big problem for a lot of people. Numbers confuse them. It'll make math super easy. And that's a good place to start. So berglearning.com, try it risk-free. And I think you'll be thanking me that today's the day that changed your life, that you realized that you could be more than you thought. And that then let me know what happened, because it makes me feel good to know that I help people. It, it's, it's a very, it's like, I feel like it's my family, you know, it's fulfilling. When I see young people getting good jobs and having better lives, it makes me feel, well, I'm doing something that's, worth doing it's I mean, you can make money selling cocaine and you can make a lot of money doing that but then you have to look in the mirror at the end of the day and say is that really who i want to be or you can help people become more successful and that's a much better and that's something i can feel comfortable looking at myself doing so i think it's also a bit more legal than the other thing <laughs> yeah it's not just about money it can't be 
because what good is money if there's no people? If we drive ourselves to extinction because of all the stupid things we're doing right now, what good would money be? You know, extinction is very bad on jobs. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if the earth is too hot to survive on, um, a lot of the economies will go down. Also, I'm pretty sure of that. Well, a lot of houses obviously are getting sacrificed now because of the whole uh, sea thing getting up. The hurricanes uh, seasons getting worse. The fires in California are getting yeah. crazy now. Just a coincidence. It's nothing. Yeah, that's what you hear from idiots. But the trick is, don't be one of the idiots. Yeah, just education. Education, understanding. A part of the problem is we've so poorly educated people. That they don't understand between facts and reality anymore. And uh, we can fix that. And when you do M fix maybe it. Maybe a last, a last question really quickly before we wrap up then. How would you teach critical thinking? How do you, how do you teach someone to distinguish facts from real? You being obviously a real scientist. You've studied quite heavy science uh, things, but also taught many other other people how to learn. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, not only listening, but in the world, have the issue of parents and grandparents not being able to distinguish facts from real, uh, from like fiction. So how would you teach someone to be good or better at critical thinking? This is, this, the highest level of reading is called syntopical reading. That's taking 10, 15, 20 books, they all contradict one another on the same topic. And you're going through this quagmire of different... Or take abortion. There's a lot of books on why it's wrong. And there are a lot of books on why it's necessary. And, every, and people have strong opinions on it. But there are a lot of books, different opinions. And then you read all these books and then, well, how do I form a conclusion? That's what syntopical learning is. It's this ability to look at ethos. Ethos is facts. And then look at the logos the logic and see where the logic comes from what studies were done who did those studies what are their qualifications having an opinion doesn't make you an expert it means it's an opinion and a lot of people today are using opinions as facts instead of looking at where did that come from and what it's based on and what research was done and what corroboration is there and what do other people think and why do they have other opinions? And what are their facts? And what is their logic? And what are this what are they based this upon? And when you go deeper and deeper like that, down the rabbit hole, you be the truth comes comes out. The, Jesus got it right. The truth sets you free. And ultimately, when you when you delve deeply enough <clears throat> and you look objectively enough, you begin to see the truth. People thought smoking was good for their health. Eventually, the truth came out. And there are a lot of lies right now that are being pushed out on the world that people think are true. But if they go deeply enough, they read more, they understand better, they do more questioning and analysis. Questions are the key. You get the answer to the question you ask. If you say, why am I an idiot? Your brain will tell you why. If you say, how can I get smarter? Your brain will tell you how. Which question would benefit you more? Why am I an idiot? How can I get smarter? So when you're in doubt, 
Ask good questions, and your brain will look for the right answer. You ask the wrong question, you'll get the exact answer you looked for. So it's very, very important to ask good questions, and that'll give you the right answers, even if something isn't being done correctly. Maybe I would, from what I'm hearing, would add to that for the listeners to understand better. You said in the beginning, you read opposing thoughts on the same subject. So you're not just reading one bubble. You're you're opposing both thought processes or as many critical thoughts are involved in you forming the ethos and the logos. Exactly. And be careful of pathos because pathos is emotion. And a lot of the lies have strong pathos attached to them. So they feel right and they feel good, but they're not true. That's not fact. That's emotion. Learn the difference between fact, logic, and emotion. And when you're reading, look at the difference, the nuance between what is being said and proven and what is being said and makes people feel a certain way with no justification. And that helps you to make that distinction. As you get smarter, you begin seeing the BS from the reality. You begin separating the emotional passion people have over fake things that are beneficial and what reality really is. And the more you learn to think, the more adept you become at doing that. It's not a magic trick and it takes some practice. Like any, took time to learn to read, took time to learn to write. It takes time to learn how to think. If, if it wasn't hard, everyone would be doing it. And look at the world. Obviously that isn't what's happening. Yeah. It almost feels like uh, if you use those three ideas and you feed it into an AI algorithm that somehow it'd be able to distinguish at least uh, the emotional part in text. From reality. From reality. And look at our world. How much of it's emotion and how much of it is truth. A lot of what's going wrong right now in our culture is all emotionally driven. Not fact driven, emotionally driven. That's dangerous. It's very dangerous. When facts are trumped by feelings, people make very bad decisions and we all pay the price. But uh, I'm very happy that you were able to share that last bit. I think it's very relevant to the current climate. Uh, I'm very also excited to apply some of these things. I'm definitely going on the website and checking out some of the things. Um, I'm usually not much for the promotion, but uh, in this case, uh, I can definitely say that you're, as, a, as my generation would say, one of the OGs. So <laughs> I would definitely check it out. Well, I don't know what that means. What's an OG? I'm, I'm out of your generation. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's a bastardization, but uh, I think the original thing was original gangster, but they made it like very millennial now. So OG is, that is good? Like one of the good... Yeah, it's like one of the good ones now. <laughs> Back in the day, probably not, but nowadays it's it's a good thing. <laughs> okay, I'll t I hope that's a compliment. <laughs> it, it is, it is very much. But uh, I loved I loved it, and I'm very happy we could close on a positive note. But uh, with that being said, thank you for coming on, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in the future as well. I'd like that. Maybe next time I'll teach you how to write a book in a day. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Maybe in a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. If you like this episode, you can check out our most recent one here. And if you haven't already, make sure you click here to subscribe and see the next one.
But if you're interested in more tips and tricks, then make sure to join our Facebook group where you can find thousands of like-minded people and you get direct access and support to any business question from the entire startup funding event team.